generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. This is a very, very interesting episode because in this episode, I'm recording a podcast with my business partner, Phil, for Next Advisory. And we're interviewing one of our clients called Mark Edwards from Edwards & Co., There's a high chance that a number of you have heard of Edwards & Co or will do or have even brought one of their products. I thought that you might find this interesting as well. Now we're speaking to Mark about the growth of this business, how it all started, staying in the fight, how to go from selling 100 prams in one year to 10,000 to maybe even jumping over to the ditch to Australia to thinking bigger to getting more and more people, to becoming one of the top employers in the country, to also becoming an Ernst & Young finalist in the Entrepreneur of the Year series that they run. Mark has done a lot. Mark has built a great business, and it hasn't been just him. He explains that on the pod. And I thought that for some of you, you're thinking about these types of things, and we want to be inspired by more Kiwis that are doing different things and solving problems for people out there in the world Mark explains exactly how they did that too. So without further ado, you'll get into one of Mark's favorite songs. You'll be able to learn something from Mark. Enjoy this one, and I'll see you on the next episode of keepthechange.co.nz's podcast. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the What's Next podcast. And we've got a very, very special episode of the What's Next podcast today because joining me, next to me, Phil, to start with, and then across from us, mate, one of the Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year finalists at the moment, Mark Edwards from Edwards & Co. How right. are you? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Very well. Very well. So just on that very quickly, when, what's the latest update on the EY uh, finalist situation? I don't think I'm allowed to say. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably one of the things I should have mentioned. But no, yeah. can't say anything at the moment. Okay. Well, yeah. you're a finalist at least, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I had a look at the list as well. There's some pretty bloody impressive people on there. Very impressive, yeah. yeah. Very impressive, yeah. Well done. Was that quite a process to, to go through that? Um, there's a lot of thinking you've got to do and talking and talking, and it's quite a, there's quite a, what's the word for it, a bit of a shark tank moment with some of the judges. But yeah, there's... there's there is definitely quite a lot of work. What's the, I had cri- some help. What's the criteria to, to get selected? Uh, I, 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 I think it's just around, you know, that you've got to show them your growth of your company, mm-hmm. you know, where you've come from, 
innovation, sustainability. Um, there's quite a few categories. Sorry, I can't rattle them off in my head. That's right. Yeah. Nice one. So I guess uh, for the listeners out there that uh, haven't been targeted by you or don't know much about Edwards & Co., Yes. Give us give us the uh, the elevator pitch. Tell us <laughs> tell the audience. Well, we're about babies, so we mm-hmm. we're about helping parents move from one point to the other, I suppose, with their children and making the our mission statement is making the parents ride as smooth as possible. So that's the one. And um, we're all about easy to use mobility baby products. Yep. Yes. And how did it start? So my dad's been doing baby products since the eighties. He was one of the first to introduce car seats so back in the 80s. Throw your car, kids around with no car seats, believe me. No it. way. Yeah, so so did he, he import them? Yes, he oh. imported some of the US ones. And there was no standard back then. Right. But they introduced a standard in New Zealand and he was quite involved in all that. But then over the years, he sort of got a bit, I guess, bored and he didn't really enjoy baby industry anymore. And so I used to do a, I used to be a, a HR at Caltex in Australia, mm-hmm. in Sydney, and... One day he just said, oh, I'm looking for, I was back on Christmas, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a sales rep or something to do with my business. He was, he was by himself. And I was, we were like, oh, we'll do that, me and my husband Christian. So we came back, got paid $60,000 a year between us, and lived at my parents' house for six months. Um, and just during that year that I worked there, uh, my dad actually had some hair salons as well. <laughs> Why can't he do? Yeah, no, he was a jack of all trades. So he had some hair salons. Some um, Christian worked on them, and then I worked on the baby side of things. And I just saw a lot of my parent uh, friends were all having kids, and I saw that the popular brands at the time were really um, sort of not practical, a bit stupid, like the mountain buggy. Sorry, I probably should actually mention brands. Thing, but. Uh, <laughs> We'll handle them. Uh, there were some, you know, <laughs> mountain-inspired prams <laughs> out there that, you know, look, were, were great and everything, but were quite impractical, I thought, and real complicated. Um, there was a, a moment where someone, it wasn't that particular brand, but a different brand, someone was telling me um, their nana was looking after their kids and they couldn't work out how to fold this pram because a lot of the prams back then, or even now, got about six or seven things you've got to do to mm. you know, have this piece in that way and have this piece in that way. Blah, blah. So she couldn't fold the pram, so she left it on the side of the road and just drove off and wow. had the parents had to come back later and get it. No one had taken it. So, you know, we were just, I just, oh, God, this has got to be something a bit better. So, yeah, that's where we sort of designed the, the Oscar, which is our first Oscar, which is our most popular pram now. Um, so much more practical, you know, like easy to fold one one. One way fold, seat can reverse, and also, um, you know, you can put a car, you could put a car seat in it really quickly without having to wake your baby up. So, um, you know, people weren't getting wet on the side of the road trying to get their baby strapped into the car, and yep. you know, and then even the little things like cumbersome clicks together and things like that. You know, we we really focus on making it really easy. So yeah, the first couple of years we introduced Oscar. We sold like 100 prams in the first year, and then the second year we sold 100 prams. It was really like slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly it just started booming. So for sort of eight years we had 100% growth every year. And over the time we really just improved the product and mm. tried to keep a really tight product line so that it was easy to understand. Because the first thing when you're having a baby is you're coming in and you're like, 
oh shit, what do I need here? Lucky there's just so many products you've got to sort of weed through. So the Oscar is the original product, the three-wheeler? Yes. Yep, and yeah. you, you designed and developed that? Uh, yes, yep. 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 yep, and then in year one you say you sold 100 of them. Yep. How did you sell 100? As, Baby as a shows, brand. Oh, just literally getting in the back of my car throwing some strollers in the back, going to a baby show. We used to do a lot of events, like pop-ups, pop-up sort of shops, we yep. called them. It was just me, a one-man band, visiting retailers. I think retailers were really, was really difficult at first, but yep. you get some retailers who want to give you a go. So those oh, are yep. the ones that can really help you out. And you, f- you find the ones that are really positive and you can form a good relationship with, they can really help propel your brand. So... Yeah. And um, how many years ago was this? 2014, 2013 was when we I first came back, but 2014 we launched it was ago. Yeah. So was e-commerce part of the strategy at that point? Yeah. So that was another thing. Yeah. So Instagram, Facebook, no one was really doing much of that at the time. All oh, right. I wouldn't say, I think a lot of our competitors would say we're only popular because of Instagram and Facebook, but we really didn't use it for that much mm. initially. Um it's really hard to, to do social media well, like mm-hmm. I have to say. God, I, I actually didn't really like it, but you've really just got to do it. And I think we did sort of early on get a website going. Um, we were quite early on into getting, for prams anyway, most pram manufacturers, they just sell through retailers and they don't do much in terms of the website. They sort of let the retailers do all the work. Mm-hmm. But we took a really focus on uh, our website and, and our front of customer experience experience so that we could at least get direct sales but just form a closer relationship with customers nice yeah so um that really helped i think everyone's sort of caught up now (laughs) 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 i mean i still would say you know we're probably one of the best at it but the markets i think over covid everyone just you know started shit i need to build a better website you know like there's Mm. a lot of companies that caught up in that regard so yeah and there's a lot of online only competitors we have now right yeah so then by from what you're saying earlier year one 100 year two 100 year three you started to explode what what kind of gave you that break what was the hack was there anything that stood out word of mouth yeah like it was just parents recommending to other parents and i really think if you can really make a good product and you can engage your audience you're going to save so much money on advertising um, you know, like rather than just pouring money into social ads and mm. Google ads and stuff, if you can really get that um, uh, engagement with your, your customers and your, them telling their friends about your product, it's such a cheap way to advertise and it can really like accelerate things. Did you guys influence through your social channels or, or that journey about saying to, hey, look, recommend us or anything like that or just happened organically? Um. No, it really just happened organically. Wow. Yeah. So it was really a much. genuine good product. Yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, I think so. <laughs> a true I, I'm success pretty sure it is. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think now we could probably do more. I know what's popular, like if you're selling a product like ours, it's reasonably complicated, is to make sure you get reviews. So getting people, if they're really happy with the product, advocating for your product. We don't do that perfectly. I think that we could be better at it, but I think, for products like us, it's really important that you can... It's really about trust, isn't it? Yep. So, um, yeah. So you started with Oscar. What was next? Um, so we, we actually did Oscar, like, and really the first Oscar was 
basically a whole lot of parts basically at the back of a factory put together because we didn't have the money for tooling. So mm-hmm. like when you make a, a plastic product, you know, the money to, to inject them, to make the mould to inject the plastic is very, very expensive. Yep. So yeah, so we had no money. So anyway, what we did in 2020 was a, a completely new version of the same product. So we didn't launch any new products. We just did a completely new version, completely new look. Yeah, Mark And II. we poured a whole lot of, yeah, <laughs> Mark II, yeah, we poured a whole lot of money into it. And that's where we also just went up another level by doing that. We just catapulted, I guess, just keeping up the trend it looked much different and things. And it was way easier to use. We did a whole lot of little things. What gave you the confidence at point to, to uh, go all in on your product and then outlay? Because that is a... Well, the like bank wouldn't give us any money. The, I guess what the listeners wouldn't appreciate, and I suppose we've got insight of, is that product design and development and tooling phase is so cash intensive. Yes. And and to get a tool made, you've got to pay upfront a lot of dough to mm. then get a product produced before it's even sold. Yeah. Yeah. You just, I mean, I don't know. I guess we had, we did have at the time quite a lot of people loving our older product. Mm-hmm. And I guess that for me, it's just a feeling like we uh, we need to do better here. You know, you can see all the competitors coming and everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty scary. You know, like you you got to do it. What one of the banks wouldn't give us any money. Um, I had to use Dad's mortgage as usual, and one then and then another bank did, um, which is the BNZ. So they were great, and we put the money and did it, and it boomed. So it really worked. Shout out to nice. the BNZ, hashtag not sponsored at this stage. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't mention the other bank. But. <laughs> Tell us what it rhymes with. <laughs> On that then, because I think a lot of people wouldn't understand to the level that you both do, how tooling is, is different to what you were doing. So Okay, so what we were doing was we basically took a product that the factory we use had made and changed it quite a lot by, by take, because they had about... How many prams would they have had on there? They would have had about 200 sort of prams that they make or sell to different markets. So we just took wheels from that. We took some uh, seat from this. We took a da-da-da from that. And then we said, make it all black because it was just easy. Make it mm. all black because we didn't have any fashion experience. And prams are real fashion. You know, yeah, they've like, got to be cool. You've got to be the mum. You've got to be the mum pushing the latest in yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, we just made it all black. And we probably, we saved a lot of money that way. I mean, when I look back on the product now, I like I mean, everyone loves them, like still loves them. But I'm like, God, it's a bit of a Frankenstein. But mm. tell me, did you guys make the tan handles cool? Was that you that well, started that trend? Apparently, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, as yeah, we that was the Oscar where I mentioned that we spent a lot of money on. Tooling. So that was a version two. That was a version two called the MX. Yeah, with the tan handle. Tan handle. Yeah, everyone loves them. And we even we we introduced a new model <laughs> last year with grey, and everyone's saying, "Can I have the brown back? Can I have the brown back?" So we actually. I probably shouldn't say it now, but we're going to bring the brown back in a couple of months. Nice. Yeah, so I think everyone likes Be excited that. for that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, and so then the tooling piece, um, so then how does that differ from getting all the different parts and whatnot? Well, so tooling, like tooling is basically creating a mould. So what we did was we went and did a completely blank sheet of paper because the old model had its weaknesses because when you do that, you compromise on a lot of things, uh, doing mm. it the cheap. So we went blank sheet of paper. We completely started sketches. We did CAD. So when you do your CAD, you know you make your product up, you check it folding, blah, blah, blah. So then you go and make your prototype. And then once you're happy with your prototype, then the tooling is all the different plastic pieces that go together. So for Oscar MX, it cost us about 600000 New Zealand dollars. About three hundred parts that go into a pram. Wow! I don't yeah. think people would appreciate that. Eh? Like, 
No, and pro- and then just for, also for some context, prior to doing this, you had no product development experience. No, I worked in HR, mm. but I just really loved it. Like I just really love it. Um, and 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 I suppose a, a testament to the business that you have built and the brand and the product that you have taken on board the feedback of your customers. Yeah, and then gone right. How can we make this better? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that was paramount. That was really. I didn't have any kids at the time either when we first had the first pram. Yep. Um. So I just really took a lot of my friends' feedback and I just asking a lot of questions. Um, I'd give prototypes to my friends. There's a couple of friends that were really instrumental in um, helping with design where we've got to now. Uh, baby shows, like working at baby shows and just understanding what people were asking for or liking or not liking, whatever. Mm. Yeah, so we didn't do any formal, like, you know, I think a lot of people think that they might need to do, um, what's it, you know, with those, with marketing, sorry, the name's gone off my head. Like a study? Type. Yeah, like a study, you know, with a whole group of people and spending oh, yeah. tens of thousands of dollars on focus survey. Group. Focus, <laughs> yeah. focus groups. You can do all that, and I think a lot of big companies do because it's too hard for them to. But, uh, you know, I think there's definitely informal ways. Wow, so you just skipped that step and just skip went that all in. <laughs> yeah. thanks, to, thanks to Dad's Thanks to Dad's, Dad's mortgage, yeah. <laughs> but it obviously came back to knowing that you were – doing something that was actually going to be really helpful and add a lot of value to people, right? Yes. So then they would buy it and then they would obviously tell other people about it. And yep. That's where true word of mouth comes yep. from, right? Yeah, yeah. So the reason, I think one of the reasons we we're really confident in the second one is because I knew all the weaknesses, what everyone had told me about the weaknesses on the first one. And we made the second one just basically leap forward 100%. Um, so we were confident that people would buy it. Um, we just weren't sure, sure how many people would buy them. Yeah. Yeah. And can you say how many people did end up? Well, buying? this this year we sold two th- uh, ten thousand prams. Um, Shit. So, yeah. but that's Australia and New Zealand. That's Australia and New Zealand. But yep. New Zealand make up three quarters of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. we'll, we'll come back to the uh, Australia part mm. further down the down the track. So, in in those early stages, what were what were some of the challenges that you kind of had to face and then work through to give you the confidence to go yes? Now, having no money. Probably the normal one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yep. it's just, yeah. Even now, like it's just that's the biggest thing that what keeps me awake at night is, is cash flow. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the challenges were people just not like retailers never heard of us. You know, why would they want to put our, our pram on their showroom floor mm. when they could put a competitor one that would make more money? You know, so why would they take on? So it was really hard to get into competitors, especially big uh, retailers, especially big ones. Mm. Um, so we really just started with little guys and little tiny mum and dad stores. Yeah, that they're like the independent retailers. Independent retailers, yep. yeah. Um, and they were instrumental to get where we were. Um, but I guess as well, yeah, get building trust with people that never used our product or seen our product before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess running and being in a family business, uh, convincing my dad to do things like we need to spend ten thousand dollars on a website. Mm. When I mean that seems cheap nowadays, isn't it? But yeah. back then it was bloody expensive, mm. and the stress that it put on him, you know, spending ten thousand dollars on this website, he really didn't want to do it. Uh, and you know, just dealing with that and trying to sort of manage the politics of it was really hard. So yeah, um, next time I see him, I have to bring that up. I didn't <laughs> realize that, and so uh, we'll, we'll compare it to the Michael Hill shoes gag. God, I just remember every time an invoice came in, he just he just went irate about everything, just everything about the whole development of the website he hated. Yeah. But it really helped in the end. But, you know, like also I think the interesting thing, I think about my dad, you know, like he's really old school. 
he's given me advice along the way and I'm always like, oh, no, sh- shut up, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But then I look back on it now and even to our business today, he's definitely right on a lot of things. Like, mm. you know, being really cautious about, um, like you could have booming times, but just make sure that, you know, you've got some something in your back pocket in case it doesn't, the same thing doesn't happen and uh, so things don't mm. go well and blah, 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 so, yeah. What was the COVID period like for? Oh, huge! It was good, yeah. really good for us. So I think all the all the money that was going to Air New Zealand, yeah. we got, and us and all the products companies. Yeah. Um, but now it's gone the other way. So everyone, but the good, the category that's good for us at the moment is travel. Believe it or not, so like our travel prams and all the travel stuff's booming at the moment. Mm-hmm. Even though you know interest rates are crazy and all, people yeah. just want to travel. So is that's that, the, that tourist revenge thing that they're talking. Mm. And that's the auto one. Yeah. Otto and our travel uh, bags and. Do you want to share the story about Otto? Do I want to share the story about? Yeah. Otto? And well, <laughs> where you're up to with it? Oh, the new one. Yeah. Well, just that that you uh, obviously had Oscar, and then that oh, proved so a success. Sorry, right, so then, yeah, 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 then, then, then you've brought on a new one, which yeah. is the, the the travel version. So, yeah, like parents these days love traveling with their kids, and I think it's different at what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So we introduced a new pram in two thousand and. God, it must have been 2019, it must have been, or, or maybe a bit earlier, 2018, mm-hmm. um, called Otto, which um, a pram you can take on board with you on the plane. So you can actually, you know, fold it at the door, put it on the overhead locker with you. So you don't have to check it in. So it's just a godsend for parents with like mm-hmm. two-year-olds because you can walk them right up to the door. You don't, And then when you get off the plane, you can just take it with you. You don't have to wait for your pram to get collected um, while you're yeah, two-year-old that's running around the airport. You know. Manage your carry-on luggage, a kid on one yeah. hip. One bloomin' trying to hold Passports. the other hand. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. big thing we did with Otto was made sure it was like a newborn, you could put a newborn baby in it. So mm-hmm. it, was, it lies flat. So you could sleep, and also you could sleep um, kids in it, which is, if you think about like the old prams, the umbrella style prams, um, not a thing. So yeah, that was where that one, that product did really well. So like I think on all our prams, we always try to have at least one or two very unique features that we can say, hand on a heart, we're the only ones that do it. I think that was that's another thing for me that I always try to do with our products, and I also think it's good to do the opposite of what others are doing. Sometimes, like if everyone's doing, let's do something else. Something we often say is it yeah. when everyone's zigging, yeah, zag. Yeah, you got to be careful. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of risk. Yeah, you know, it's got to be a calculated risk. Yeah, but you know, I, I think yeah, you know, I had someone say that to me many when I first started. It wasn't I had a mentor. She was great. Her name's Kelly. And she, that was the first thing she said to me, is like, if they don't, just do something else. I'm like, fuck, yeah, so that's what we should do. Yeah, nothing, mm. we'll just do something completely opposite. Mm. So, um, like, yeah, with Olive now, which is what our third pram, we, everyone's doing a particular front-mounted configuration of doubles, and that's what's popular in the market, but we did the opposite because the reason being is that we felt the product was so much easier to use in the way that we think it should be. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not trendy, if we think it's the right way that it should be, you know, we need to have the confidence to say, well, we think this is the best way and people will eventually realise that and then come around to it. But you'd need to do it, make sure that it's in the sense, still sensing what customers want. And and that reminds me, like everything you've spoken about with your products and what they originally started with and the iterations that they've gone and then the new products that you've bought on board all come back to your brand vision. Yes, about the smoothest Smooth ride. ride. Yeah, and then Correct. even like just coming back to the auto, and I tell me off if I shouldn't say it, but the new prototype that you had at your building the other day, mm. like when you just do that single thing, and mm. you can like that was that blew. Well, me that away. one's an auto fold, yeah. So it folds itself. Yeah. So like folding is like the big 
Like an, especially a, in, when you're trying to get on a, a ninety-two year old could do that. It was that simple. Yeah, and that's the other thing we we also designed for grandparents. Yeah, because you know, going back to that grandparent story about the poor mm. my grandma that couldn't fight the prey plan, that, that was really stuck in my mind for a long time. So you know, they've got a lot of the time they've got arthritis, they've got all sorts of other issues, um, while they're trying to care for the grandkids. So um, yeah, we try to make sure that you don't need to use a manual is the main thing. Um, you should be able to just nice figure it out. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Teslas of of prams, yeah, potentially because they don't come with manuals, do they? No, don't they? I think there might be one on the screen, but I've never had to uh, to dig into never it. Never no. I think Apple have that same sort of methodology too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess it's less printing. So mm. That's good. <laughs> the names Oscar, Otto, Olive. Yeah. What's the story there? <laughs> uh, there's not really much story. Oscar was my dad's dog who kind of died just as we were developing the product. Um, so that was where that name came from. Olive was the name I wanted to name my um, daughter. So we had two names. Um, her name's Lulu, and so we had Lulu Olive. And so I thought, uh, whatever one we don't choose, I'll just name our new frame. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. Yeah. And I also d- developed it while she was a baby, so it was all quite worked quite well. Um, and then Otto... I don't know, actually, Otto. I don't know. I can't. I don't think it was anything particular. I yeah. think I just took the name from somewhere. But you've you've stuck to the three O's. Is that deliberate or has that just happened? Sort of. Um, no, it wasn't deliberate. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I actually think it probably confuses people more than anything because like, yeah. they keep. You know, we get if we get an email, someone a customer email, and they're always got the wrong. They sometimes mention the wrong pram. Wrong. Yeah. Product. Yeah. Yeah. On Pram 2, so that was Otto, right? Is that a little bit inspired by having children or you hadn't had children at that stage? No, I hadn't had children at that stage. Um, it was more, again, just to what people were saying and what was in the market and what people were needing and the lifestyle that people had at the time. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, like having children has made me look at it differently. Um, I definitely look at it, things, that the products in a bit more detail, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it was, I was just about to ask, now that you're a parent, mm. two kids, how does being a parent influence, yeah, the way you see your products, the product development journey, and, and like what else is in the pipeline? It was bloody handy having kids to trial everything with. <laughs> yeah, like we had a new pram we're developing at the moment. I put my daughter on it the other day, and I was like, oh, no, this isn't quite right. And um, so we've gone back and rejigged it. And I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have her. Um, so all that, the little detail stuff, I think is really handy to have children. And a few, um, and I guess experience being a parent, like, I mean, just racing around one thing to the next with kids. You just don't have time for anything. So you don't want to be like trying to like wrangle a stroller on the back of the boot. So yeah, just all the little detail stuff, getting, making sure that it's all easy as easy as we can possibly get it. Smoothest and, ride, And mate. also, yeah, the smoothest, and also just safety. Yeah. Like yeah. you look at, you're like, no, my, I, I wouldn't want that because my kid would jam their finger on it or, mm. you so I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of products in China. You know, sometimes I go there, and every time I go to a factory, they want to sell me their products, and which I don't do because I design my own. Mm. Yeah. But you look at things and you're like, God, that doesn't look safe. Like just yeah, finger things and oh yeah, so that all. Do helps. the do the standards that products need to be developed to are they cumbersome or prohibitive or or you ever had a, an issue with those that because um, it's obviously you know the safety of kids is quite yeah quite important. I, I don't have a problem with the pram. I think some of the pram standards need to be modernised a bit. Some of them are designed for those real old school prams that you might have only seen in the 80s. Yeah. So there's some things that need to be modernised, but I absolutely don't have a problem with the, mm. the standards of prams. I think with car seats in New Zealand is interesting because we have three car seat standards in New Zealand are recognised. Three. three. Wow. 
So you've got Australia New Zealand standard, which mm-hmm. is one, and then you've got the American and the U- European, and I think it really confuses customers quite a lot. Um, it, may, it does make it quite a competitive car seat market, but it's bloody confusing because mm. there's all different types of rules around you know what you should be buying and size limits of different car seats. And right. So New Z- Australia has one standard, which is Australia New Zealand, and then we've got three. That, so I'd say that we're overcomplicated a bit, but sure. that's probably just my only comment on that. So speaking of Australia... Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we launched in Australia maybe four years ago, just before COVID, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I was going to move to Sydney and do it all there. Yeah. Um, but what came out of that was we had this amazing sales rep who got made redundant from one of our competitors in Australia. And she emailed me and said, I've just been made redundant and I've talked to someone and they said I should work for you guys. And so we're like, yeah, sweet, cool. So she was in Melbourne. So yeah, she just went and cracked on. Um, she was instrumental in basically doing exactly the same things that we did in New Zealand, um, which was just talking to retailers, getting us on their showroom floor, um, doing the baby shows, talking to customers, trying to get our face, our brand in front of people's faces. And I, I think the thing for Australia is it's um, much more competitive than New Zealand. So you have to be really clear on your mission statement, what makes you different to everybody else. So we've really like... We're still working on it, I, th- I would say, and we're still adjusting our business to meet Australian consumers because they are different. They want different things. And I think this thing about Australia is, you know, Sydney's one market. You've got Melbourne, one market. Um, they're almost like um, they're different in the sense they're own, New Zealand's one market, I would say, but mm. you've almost got sort of five or six markets in Australia. They've got different personalities and you've got to yeah. cater your message to those yeah. personalities. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I if you're going to go into Australia as just a general business advice that I'd give is you've got to be prepared for a slow burn. Like, you know, don't expect to walk in there. If you've done really well in New Zealand, don't expect to walk in and do exactly the same thing in Australia. You might have to expect to be in there 10, 20 years before you get to the same place. Well, that's or you might not ever. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good insight because I think yeah. a, a lot of business owners that we, well, I mean, it's so natural to start your product or service in New Zealand and the natural next step is let's, move to Australia, export, whatever yeah. the case may be, and just think, gee, we can replicate this and it'll happen in the same time or even quicker because we've already got the lessons. But yeah. it's a, a long, hard road. I think I think a lot of businesses try and sell their product features. Like this, mm. you know, for, for, for example, if I was selling the pram, oh, it's 20 kgs, it you know, could take a kid this size, da-da-da. But really you've got to try and sell, I think, the solution or, you know, the, really think about what you're doing to, Make people's lives easier or change people's lives. The outcomes. Of, outcomes, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I went to a thing a couple of years ago and some people were doing such amazing products and it was all about, oh, this is the best tasting or this is the only one that does barbecue. Or, oh, this is a food, yeah, yeah. food examples, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think you just got to be, it's the, kind of a bit of a different mindset, isn't it? Because um, so when you're designing products or when you're making products, you're always just thinking about the product, but you've got to change your mindset to when you're selling it to consumers. What else is it about Australia that makes it hard, do you think? Uh, I mean, compared, much more competitive for us. Um, way more brands there. Um, quite cutthroat in comparison to here with retailers. Um, we've got one retailer who just, you know, was would threaten to cut us off if we didn't give them a price decrease, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh. Um, yeah, so just much more competitive. I, I think just different tastes um, and much more expensive. God, it's expensive. Just ship stuff in Australia, around Australia. We spend 11% of our sales on shipping 
whereas in New Zealand it will be four. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So just to get something from Sydney to WA, so if you've got to send something to WA, which is Western Australia, or you've got to send something to Tasmania, mm. can be like even like a little product, like, like a I've got a like a tennis ball, you know, from memory, it could be like thirty to forty dollars just to send that to Tasmania from Sheesh. Sydney. Yeah, wow. so you've got to be. It's quite cutthroat, and you you competed in competing with other people, and we mm. ship quite big products, so mm. it can be quite expensive. So you said before that a quarter of your total sales now for the group they are in Australia. Is it's actually right? a third. A third. Yeah, got that wrong, but yeah. Okay, so yeah. but but more. So you've obviously broken the back of it then. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like we were, we we thought. I think I thought naively in two thousand and nineteen. Oh, you know, we'll get to the same as New Zealand in two years. Mm. Yeah, but it, it hasn't eventuated that. So I can't say honestly that we've like boomed or anything it. yeah but we are we were growing at about last time i looked about 50 percent a year did the aussies have any issues with buying from kiwis no that was one thing when we were doing our brand positioning we were like should we pretend that we're australian <laughs> yeah mm. yeah we a lot of the stuff we do do was also based in australia like a lot of like our, one of our designers was based there um and you know we we talked about it a long time but uh, australians don't view New Zealanders as so much as a uh, another country like they do kind of see us as part like another state and they don't have any issues with buying anything from New Zealand I mean there's a lot of famous New Zealand companies that are there that they know are New Zealand companies and they love them so it's a different definitely a different mindset I think over there than what we have to Australian yeah interesting what mm. would your split be between people who buy online versus people who buy physically? Uh, about 50-50. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah. We have found over the last year that it's the wholesale side's increased and the, the direct side's decreased. And one of the struggles we have is that we can't compete on price with our um, retailers because that means we're effectively competing with them if we start dropping our prices mm. and matching them. So there's been much more sales activity this year um, with because the market's just very tight at the moment. So yeah, that's a challenge. Like, how do we, how do we compete with that? Like, how do we compete when our retailer is doing a fifteen percent sale every week? And why would people want to buy from us? Mm. But we also obviously do baby shows as well. So we do do a, do a promotion during baby shows. And what we do with promotions is generally, if we're doing a promotion, we give the retailer a discount so that they can match us. Um, okay. But I think that's where it's really important that we engage with our customers really well because then the reason they may spend more to buy from us is that they have more trust and buying from us than they do a retailer. Um, so we're re- spending a lot of money at the moment working on our um, email campaigns and automation, like automation with emails and automation with text messages, and, um, how we can like do more in terms of ask for sales support. Um, we can give customers more options, how we can be more available. Um, we do do quite a lot of stuff with after sales support. We like we do um, road shows um, to do servicing. So if you need your pram service, you can come and see us for free. And we do road shows. We do, yeah, we've got quite a generous warranty. Um, would have never have guessed that a pram would need a service. Yeah, they do. Definitely, it's a mechanical product that's got yeah, lots wow. of moving parts. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so like a bike. Do you do emails out to just pass customers and basically say, hey, you know, we're uh, doing this yep. road show? Yep. At the moment, we just do to our whole database. But, yeah, we're going to start working on getting more sophisticated around following customers when they buy from us and making sure that like we're engaged with them in terms of what we can do for them 
what they might need to know about their pram, if there's other products they might want from us, of course, because we yep. want to make some money from it. But, yeah. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we're doing a lot. The next sort of four months is a big project around that automation side. Mm. Yeah. And does your dad believe in the website now? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's got <laughs> it over there. What does he think of the uh, the costs of upgrading the website these days? <laughs> oh, I don't tell him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we I got a little bit of trouble earlier in the year because we, um, we signed up with Salesforce, which is kind of like a... I suppose a next level above just being a Salesforce. I got a bit of trouble because we signed up and that costs a lot of money too. But yeah. next year, um, I'll show them. We'll look, we did spend all that money. Yeah, you, you, yeah. it'll increase your conversion <laughs> rate. Yeah. 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 So, in terms of what's next for Edwards & Co., where are you going? I don't want to say too much because I don't want my retail competitors to know. Okay. But Fair. We are all, if you think about us as the smoothest ride possible, mm-hmm. We're really pushing into that area hardcore, um, particularly in Australia. We're spending a lot of money again. Yep. So we've gone on to the next third, le- third stage about spending a lot of money and improving our products to go to the next level. Yep. Um, and then we're also moving into, we've just purchased a nursery brand called Caribou, which is um, very f- uh, popular in, in Christchurch and rightly so. Um, so we've just purchased them. So we're moving that side of our business into the nursery side of things. So we've, Really been focused on the gear, outside gear stuff. Yep. But we're also going to focus on home stuff um, as well. And we also launched a new company, a heading company, which is a bags company, like a nappy bags and fashion items. So Accessories. We're trying to mm. stay with our customers for longer because we, we really, we've really nailed the first year, mm. we think, but we haven't nailed the first five, six years right. of being in our journey with a, with a new parent. So yep. we just want to... You want them to be part of the the Edwards & Co. ecosystem. Yes, the family. From birth through to five, seven years kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. When did you launch that part of it? Uh, Bags? Yeah. Uh, Maybe six months ago. Um, And then Caribou, we just sort of finalised that last week. So Mm. um, um, I've actually already designed two new cots, which I'm pretty excited about. That is so fast to design furniture. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, Yeah, so we'll probably launch them earlier in the next year. What's it? So you go. I was just going to say, what's it been like going up to China? What's it been like? Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting to see how it changes. Have you guys been? No. Never. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's the f- one thing I'd say, I think it's how friendly people in China are mm. and how much they look after you. So every time I go, everyone's always organised things for me. Everyone's got a car for me. Everyone wants to take me out for dinner. You know, like it's all, on. you know, People want to spend time with them. They want to make sure you're not alone and they want to make sure that you're looked after. So all the time. It's a very like hospitable country, which I think people would be surprised about. Mm. I'm very surprised. I would have never have picked that. No, it's a, quite a collective culture. So it's all mm. about family and looking after each other. Cool. And yeah, so that's the thing. I think I noticed it's just how fast everything's changing. Like there's always a new motorway. There's always new buildings coming up. What I've noticed recently is just how many flash cars around now like there's mm. a lot of Chinese electric car manufacturers mm-hmm. that are doing really cool cars like BYD there's a company called Neo which you can yeah. basically drive into it you don't actually charge them it's an electric car but you don't charge them you drive into a little depot some big thing fork hoist comes under your car takes the battery out and puts a new battery in and you just drive off alright cool eh jeez yeah, yeah. Um, so and, and what about the factories and stuff just mind blowing big or um, depends, yeah. yeah. So like one of the ones, a couple of the ones I go to, yeah, huge. Um, everything's robotic and there's just multi-layers and multi-layers and they've had, got their own crash test facilities for car seats and 
um, that sort of thing. But, you know, there's also small guys, little family uh, factories. And it's a real minefield, eh? Like if you've got a product you're trying to develop um, and get made, you can come across, you can get some real crap factories. Yeah. So really you've got to find someone you trust um, to take you to the right places. So, And you're lucky you've got that person. Well, I didn't at first. I didn't no, at first. No. It was a, at first it, the guy, you know, we lost 50 grand US dollars and he started selling our products on the equivalent called Taobao. I don't know if they still have it in China now, but basically it was eBay, their eBay. Oh. He started selling. Oh, he started just taking products, slapping our brand on it and just selling them and and he was always short on money. This is an agent, sorry. I was an agent. He used to help us. So, yeah, that was a real lesson learned. But the new team I have is like a dream team, you know, and it took years of just networking. And I think for us, like, we're, like I'd really try to be the nice guys, you know, and deal with people with respect. So mm-hmm. there's a, they have a lot of clients go into China who just treat them all like rubbish. Mm. Um, and we... Really, I spent a lot of time trying to form friendships with everyone, asking all the people in the factory, you know, how their day was, how, what are they, how, you know, what's, what are they doing, how's school for them, da da da. So all that kind of stuff, which uh, really helps you get in reputation. Because the thing about China as well is reputation is key for them. So they all talk about different customers, each other. Oh my God, the the stories of the Chinese, like one sleeping with the other, one you know, one person sleeping with that person, and this factory owner, you know, sleeping with the other factory owner and all, all this, all this story oh, wow. every time I go. Yeah. yeah. She so it's, motorways, know. relationships, yeah. buildings. It's yeah, all it's all happening, yeah. 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 What would you say your role is in the business now and how has that changed over the years? I think from when I first started, I was just me does everything. Um, now it, I do product design and I'm a managing director. So my focus is on products, and and that's what I enjoy. Uh, so we've got Ben, who's a CEO, and he does all the management of sales management, dealing with retailers. And I really, when we boomed, took, it was almost a luxury for me to have him to do the stuff I didn't enjoy. Mm. So I think that's another probably piece of advice I give people: if you can, is if you don't enjoy something, just don't do it. Like classic example: Google and Google Analytics, yeah, or SEO. You think to yourself, I could do it myself and save heaps mm. of money here, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing, really. So yeah. don't do it. And if you do, don't enjoy it, get someone else to do it. That's some solid advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, really good. Yeah. I mean, there is stuff you have to do, like accounting. I never enjoyed. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think everyone says the same thing, yeah. Mark. Don't worry. But I've learned so much. Like, just because I'm passionate about my business, I've learned accounting, not not to an accountant level, but I've learned, yeah. you know, how to run the finances of our company. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be scared if you're running a business thinking, should I don't know how to do accounting? You kind of do it. you kind of have to do it, mm. so you learn it. But I would also say, don't not do it either, because or don't not understand it, because it's bloody important. How big's your team now? Uh, we've got twenty three people, I think, across New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, we've got eight in Australia, uh, mostly all salespeople, and then um, I think fifteen here. Wow, going yeah. back to the early days. Yep. Uh, what was it like going down the path of having to hire employee number one, then two? Scary. Yep. Yeah. Who really was the scary. first person that you hired? Um, your dad. Ate after, me. So, so, I was going to say your dad after he hired you first for the uh, yeah you know, hiring back, but no, Amy. So I had I hired a sales rep. She did everything. She was fantastic. She did, a bit like me. She just did a do, do, did everything. Did the sales. Did the orders. Dispatch. Then we hired a, a, 
hired a warehouse guy, Francis, um, and he's still with us. Mm. Um, yeah, and then just sort of tacked on to people there. You do have to adjust your business as you go, so that can be quite painful. So and how do you mean adjust? Well, like, you know, if you've got people doing everything, mm-hmm. then you have to cut them off to be specialists in something. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard. Some people adjust, some people don't. And so, yeah, that's really, that's kind of, even me, you know, like I've got to step away from things and I, I know that I still involve myself and I'm sure the team listeners would go, yeah, you fucking do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like um, yeah, I involve myself in things, but you really just have to let this sort of everyone take their own, their, um, their department, I suppose, and let them and communicate with us rather than one person trying to do everything because mm. otherwise it's just unsustainable if one person's, like if you're not hiring staff and you're working yourself to the bone, you're working 60 hours a week, what's the point in even being business, really? So, mm. Only 3% of businesses in New Zealand have over 20 staff, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Crazy, That's eh? That's amazing. Yeah. You've done bloody well. Cool. What's it been like to have that mentality shift that it's okay to swap money to ensure that you don't do the things you don't like or, you know, not have to do it yourself? Do you mean paying for stuff? Yeah, You don't yeah. want to pay for it? Yeah, real hard. Mm. Um... I guess you just have, that's where you've got to know your financials and your cash flow really well, don't you? Yeah, nice. Like if you've got a cash flow forecast and you know you're good for cash and if you can say, like if I put this money into this employee and our cash flow is still looking good and it means that I can do X, Y and Z, um, then why wouldn't you do it? Because really at the end of the day, it's not just about money, it's also about yourself. Yeah. Have you found along the journey for yourself things that you're better at and that you enjoy more? Yes. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, like I'm not good at HR stuff. Like having difficult conversations. I'm from an HR background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Yeah, so I think in HR you tell everyone what to do. So I know what to do. But yeah, I think, yeah, you definitely do. I think I'm good at having a good team or finding the right team. Or um, yeah, um, But I'm definitely not good at HR. I don't know what else I'm not good at. There's heaps of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just don't like the difficult conversation, that side of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I, there's a lot of things you need to do to make sure you've got team a happy team, right? Um, and it's not just having difficult some conversations. There's lots of things, um, making sure that you understand where people's learning development to go. So there's a lot of admin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. Do you still get along to some of the baby shows? I try to. This year I yeah. haven't actually done as much as I'd like to. I am going to some more shows coming towards the end of the year. My dad was actually in Melbourne this weekend. He was he likes to do the shows. Oh yeah. Yeah, he loves it. So he um he seems to only choose the Australian shows so he can go on a bit of a uh, junk up with them by with the girls, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. so he's been doing it. But yeah, we try and involve I think it's really important that we me and dad and, and Christian as well all mm. manage to do them and get, understand what people are talking about Because you've got a pretty big front and centre sort of um, you know, showing or presence at those baby shows these days, I'd imagine, compared to, to year one and two and three. Yeah, New Zealand, sure, certainly. Yep. Yeah. Um, they cost us a lot of money, but it's important that we're there. We also, like, try and invest some money in sponsorship so we can get the email databases um, so we can market Stay to new customers and things. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't, we, we, we're not, like, we don't spend too much money on making the stand too flashy. I don't think that's us. You know, we we'd kind of want to be a bit more approachable than that. Um, but we do spend more money on the stand, making them bigger. They're so popular. And we don't have enough room if we didn't. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a baby show. So. <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine the chaos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You're always marketing to a new 
crowd every year, right? That's what I was going to say. What's that like, knowing that just about every year you're like, right, start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where the word of mouth comes in, right? So the parents tell other parents, oh, if you're having a baby, you've got to get new Wizenco. Here, show, I'll show you my product. And so a lot of the customers are doing the demos for you. So by the time they're coming in, they already know a lot about the product. We even get people who haven't even had children yet coming in and looking mm. and knowing that they're oh. going to have children. There's always the grandparent with them because they're the ones with the credit card. Oh. Um, so that's, an, that's, that's really lovely that a lot of the grandparents put in a lot of money to help. So, uh-huh. yeah. Is there anything that, you know, when you look back at what was it, has it become bigger than what you thought it could be? Yes, got you. Um, I think in New Zealand it had definitely went way further than I ever thought. Um, I don't really know what I expected actually, but it definitely got really popular. And I mean, it makes me really, I don't know, feel really grateful for that. I, I see them everywhere. Mm. Like when you're out and about on a weekend, even this weekend has gone by, uh, We, uh, Grace and I were out and about and there was a family next to us while they have the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, nice. It's funny because whenever I'm at I'm like, I never see any Wizard I'm like, God, we, we, why, is that, <laughs> why the hell didn't you buy any Wizard What did you do? Yeah, what did we do wrong? I think I remember one time we caught up um, up towards Silverdale and might have been uh, someone's grandparent like stopped you and wanted to thank you and, and <laughs> really? talk to you about it. No. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, I'm don't. thinking, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we do get people, like, it's, we've got quite a popular Instagram page too, um, at Love From Your Dads. Um, and so we get a lot of people who know us from that. And I think, I guess a lot of people know us that we're the Edwards and Coroners as well. Yeah, right. Oh, so that's your page with um, Christian. Christian, yeah. 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 And our two kids. Yeah. What's the size of the following of that now? That one's got 70,000 followers. That's a lot wow. of people, though. Yeah. 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 How's it been juggling the opportunities that would shake out of that? Yeah, good. It's very effective for us if we need to advertise Edwards & Co. Um, yeah, uh, that page has really helped us, particularly over COVID, um, because we had so much engagement um, from people stuck at home, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that really helped our reach. When we post on that, it's free, so we don't mm. have to pay for anything. Yeah, so... Yeah, sometimes I go into my uh, my safe place, mate, my bedroom with my partner, and then I start hearing Christian talking, <laughs> and she's just. I think for a minute, where's this going? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna figure out how I worded this. You know, sometimes I'm in bed with Christian, and if she's uh, yeah got it there, I'm like, oh, what's what's he up to now? What, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. Looking back at, on you know the years that you've been doing this what's you know what's a standout kind of lesson that you'd take away from what you've done or uh, if you want to uh, a little bit deeper what's what a, a massive absolute mistake or cock up that you've gone fuck I should have done that <laughs> <sighs> it's it's funny what happened one way can ha- also happen the other way really quickly yep. so you know we grew really quickly for eight years and we never had enough stock we're always running short of stock. Everything was always in priorities. People screaming at us, where's my stock? We'd say, you know, it's going to arrive in November, then it could be a delay or whatever. Wouldn't arrive for January. So we were just, a couple of years, just before COVID ended, um, we ordered, we were going to Australia, so we ordered shit loads of stock so this mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. Crap loads of stock. And then guess what happened? It didn't, we didn't go in and didn't, we didn't sell as much as we expected. Mm. So now we've got so much stock and that's costing us so much money and bank loans and, um, you know, just storage and all that. So I guess even though I hate saying it, I feel like you just need to be really cautious, you know, when you're going to 
um, invest a lot of money in something, you know, really do your research and really make sure that you're confident. Or if, a st- if you're a stock buyer like us, um, maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess for the listeners to appreciate, to understand that, like the lead time as well, from the time that you manufacture or put an order in with your supplier overseas mm. to the moment that it lands in, say, Auckland, mm. takes four months. Yeah. And you've got to have some pretty good confidence about how much stock you need to have in your warehouse by then mm. that you're going to sell it. Uh, if not, there's a lot of cash sitting on the shelf. That's right. And I get what also happened at the same time this year was the market slowed a lot with mm. interest rates. So we're really closely connected to housing, mm. I would say, um, and also um, yeah, housing. So our target market, which is new parents, are usually the most mortgaged people around. Mm. Um, so when interest rates like three years ago, you were locked in 2.7% on your mortgage, you're paying 1500 bucks a month. Three years ago, you're happy as. Uh, now you're coming off your three-year mortgage and you've got a 6.5% interest. So you now what your mortgage is going at $4,000 a month. Um, so yeah, so we've got a, we're dealing with a lot of cash-strapped consumers right at the moment. So yeah, so um, I mean, we could never really have probably seen that coming so far, as fast as it did. You know, the Ukraine mm. war happened. And they started the prices of everything started rocking, so that's when I say you know like if you're if you're make taking risky moves, you know make sure you you're really absolutely sure that you've planned out and don't take too many assumptions where you can. Um, like for example, when we did this massive order, we had the assumption that the customer that we were buying it for would not accept back orders, and you know if we were going into a new customer and they had booming demand, then we wouldn't be able to supply them. But we didn't ever ask them that. You know we never actually went and checked. Mm. And if we'd known a bit more information about that, maybe we would have made the same decision. Um, so, yeah, so I just think, you know, do a bit of groundwork. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really spend a lot of, if you're doing a stock company like us, spend a lot of time on your stock management or just forecasting. And we did all the forecasting, everything, but we just made, a, I think we just made a terrible assumption. And, and as I, you, I actually studied my bachelor degree as um, aviation. And, with aviation crashes, there's always five elements to a crash, and usually five things that go wrong. And so the, for us, it's the same thing. Like we had a lot of string of five things. Like you know, COVID ended, the Ukraine war happened. We made an assumption about you know, so this is how all this stuff could compounded, yeah, mm. to a big. So I would say that's my biggest mistake. Yeah. Well, and that's a relatively recent one as well. <laughs> 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 We're still dealing with it, yeah. It's front of mind. You're out the other side. <laughs> no, but I've always said to the guys, this is the worst mistake I've ever made in business. Oh, um, So Certainly, yeah, a, a underlying theme there in terms of where you'd go from making a decision based on feeling or option, mm. certainly in the involvement that we've got with you guys, a lot more of the decisions now are being based on data. Yes. What are, What is yeah. the data telling us? What's the story coming yeah. out of the numbers? And then once you've got clarity of that, you go, right, then let's take whatever the particular action yeah, is. Yeah, but I also think a lot of things are based on a feeling. <laughs> That's me as well. But I think you've got to mix the two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just absolute. Like, I wasn't a, was it Bill Gates or something? He said, make a decision on 60% of the information or something. Yeah. Oh, that's probably quite a good analogy. Nice. Any advice for people to help them think a bit bigger or they might be thinking about investing further into their business and they're a bit on the on the fence uh, or having a crack at something? I think I'd go back to if you're feeling a little bit like you don't know what you're doing or you're feeling a bit lost, go back to getting someone with some experience and asking them. Yeah. Yeah, like getting some advice if you think just, um, yeah. 
probably my best bit of advice. Yeah. Nice one. Nice. Anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to leave the uh, the listeners? No, I don't know. Um, pretty comprehensive, yeah. yeah it's a stack I of hope everyone in enjoyed there. it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah, they I'll will. We'll find out. Yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> yeah. normally get in touch, or if they don't, gee, that's uh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done, mate. It's been awesome to watch the the journey of Edwards and Co. And I'm sure mm. you're not done yet as well. And good luck for the. Uh, I assume there's a, probably a big evening or something for some young. Uh, yeah, middle of fifteenth uh, of November. Good on you. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, good luck. Yeah, and we'll uh, get your rehanner on before uh, to <laughs> to get you out of here as well. So shout out to ZM for playing this to inspire you to yeah. uh, have this. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thank you.